Thanks for checking out the Airborne Youth Podcast. This week you'll be hearing a teaching from Ben Evenson. Well, hey guys, we're really excited about this month, if you can't already tell. I mean, Let's just talk about sex, baby. Let's talk it? about you. Anyway. You are, hey, we all look, like just jumped in on that. We're just going to do this, okay? It's Get all the, the giggles out really quick. Is. Should we play a game? <laughs> Should we? <laughs> Come on, people. Yes, this is church, and yes, it's okay. Oh, God thought of it first. So, so true. We're taking it back. So Seriously. We are. So it's, the game, well, should we? I don't know. It could be edgy. I just feel like there's a part of this that needs to happen where every word that's going to make you giggle needs to be said right away. <laughs> so we get it out of the way. Does that, that make? could be the entire half hour. Right, right. <laughs> so <laughs> that could be. So we should go back and forth and see who runs out of words first. Oh, no. <laughs> just I would lose so bad because, yeah. <laughs> What is that? Countdown to. I don't even know what's about to happen. Penis. <laughs> it it starts now. That's oh. what it was a countdown oh, to. Oh, it wasn't that You at all. won. I said it. Oh, he, my gosh, at church. Can he you won. That? Oh, no, my word. Guess what? That's a biology term. Okay? Your teacher at school can say it, so can your pastor. True. Okay? Vagina. Same thing. Same thing. <laughs> Same thing. Oh, my word, you guys. It's like, how many of you are like, oh, I feel so dirty? Anybody feeling really dirty right now? Like, we're at church. So, anyway. It's going to so, happen all anyway. month. It's going to happen all month. All long. month long. Now, listen, we're not here, like, to straight up shock value you, okay? That's not our intent with this. But there is a part of this that's like, why is it? That the wonderful things of God, in like stir up these like shame and weighty embarrassment realities. Anybody know? Yeah. Society, sure. Part of it, it's kind of like, oh yeah, but but wouldn't you also say that those things aren't really that taboo to talk about in our society? Right. I mean, seriously, have you like watched a music video like? Or, like, seriously, like, what is really taboo in our culture today? Is anything not, like, so why is it suddenly that we walk into church and we're like, shh, don't talk about the body parts. Yeah, God created them, but they're not meant to be talked about. Like, right. Like, there's a reality in this. And I want to submit to you the first little, like, nugget we want to give you tonight on this realm. (laughs) Nugget. Nugget, gold nuggets. I've been watching Gold Rush, binging Gold Gold Rush. Love that show. Anyway, so anyway, but here's this thing, okay? I want to talk to you about a psychological principle, all right? Anybody know what psychology is? Yeah, it's a study of how people think, right? Psychology, so you have a psychologist who's like a doctor of psychology, right? Makes sense, that? So, um... But anyway, there's this psychological reality called the principle of first mention. Oh. Ever heard of that before? Raise your hand if you've heard of the principle of first mention. Okay? Some of the elites have. Yeah. Uh-huh. Here's what it is. Okay? And this is as best a definition as I can go from, like, memory. Okay? Is the principle of first mention is the first thing you ever learn about a given subject or topic 
becomes the foundation for that topic by which everything else you hear about that topic in the future is filtered according to that foundation. Okay? So the first time that you hear about broccoli, if your older brother goes, ew, broccoli's disgusting, for a long time, you every time you hear broccoli, you go, ew. Why is that? Because now there's a foundation. Have you ever actually tried broccoli? Maybe, maybe not. You might have had it in baby food, but you really didn't necessarily hate it when you were a baby, but suddenly your older brother goes, ew, that's gross, and you're suddenly like, ew, ew, I don't want broccoli. I'm allergic. I made up all kinds of allergies when I was growing up, olives, mushrooms, and now I love mushrooms. Still can't do olives, but there's some things, you know, but do you get what we're saying on this? The, spirit, the principle of first mention. Now listen, here's a great reality. You have all, in some manner, shape, or form, regardless of the source, been somewhat educated about sexuality at this point in your life. I don't care if you're the youngest in the room, 11-year-olds probably in sixth grade, all the way up to 18-year-olds and those of us who are way older, okay? Everybody has been somewhat educated, okay? Give me three, give me, like, raise your hand and tell me sources of education of your sexuality. Health class, woohoo! They get it real accurate, okay? So they definitely say penis and vagina. Okay, here we go. The news. How about that? What else? What else educates you? Music. What else? Hunter. YouTube. Oh, gosh. All right. Yes. Social media, right? Yeah. Parents. Hopefully, at some point, your parents get involved. I know it's awkward. I know it's awkward. Okay, so what else? Tumblr, sadly, right? Scary. Anyway, friends, whoa. Come on, raise your hand and tell me, how many of you have regained most of your sexual understanding from the things you've heard on the school bus, the playground, sports team, friends, hanging out? Come on. Me, 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 me. No doubt. Seriously. Okay, so look. How many of those people would you say are experts in the subject? Experts. Like, oh, crap. Wait, none? Wait, none of you? I mean, some of you are like my parents. Yeah, like, right? Obviously, I'm here. So they're experts. No, I'm just saying. Like, But even your parents are probably not necessarily experts on the subject. I can't say that I'm an absolute expert on the subject, okay? Still learning. Dylan? Same. Same. Okay? Still figuring it. I'm like married 13 years because I'm super old. Okay? And I'm still figuring that out. It's cool. Okay? The figuring out of all of this reality, learning, expanding your understanding of all of it is really phenomenal and amazing. But here's the reality. The principle of first mention applies to everyone that whatever your paradigm is for sexuality, dating, and marriage has been probably established at a foundational level in every one of you already. Fair enough? So Dylan yeah. is going to ask you, talk to you a little bit about that and go totally. next step. We're going to do this tag back and forth thing. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, for me, like some of you guys said yeah. friends, like, and some of this goes back to very, oh, yeah, very, like, minor, you know, obvious things to you now. But when you were, like, a second grader and your older brother was in third grade and, like, his whole class runs out, to the playground for like middle recess and he goes, Dylan, Dylan, are you a virgin? And you go like, 
no, I don't want to be one of those. I don't even know what that is. That sounds terrible. And, like, they laugh in your face and, like, make you seem like you're an idiot. <laughs> He's not a virgin. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, everybody does that. You know, like, things like that that happen to you. happened to me. I remember this. Exactly. exactly. And, like, you know, thousands of 2,000 miles away in Arizona in a totally different time. But, like, it's just, it's just like, you've had those little crazy, like, I was talking to, I think, Xavier. You were saying, like, uh, last Sunday, you know, like, when was the first time you heard about sex? I was in second grade. Yeah. Word. Okay, so, like, some of you guys are getting, like, these... Um, encounters with friends or people in school or older siblings are a really great source for this kind of inaccurate information. And, um, and even sometimes they do it on purpose, you know, you just like, come on guy, like, what are you doing? All you older, all you oldest siblings, I pray that you'd be so anointed to speak the truth to your siblings in Jesus name. Amen. But so I just want to say like in the light of all of those stories that you've all heard and expressed that you've experienced, stuff like this whether it is youtube whether it is social media whether it is a friend on a in a locker room somewhere whatever is there a chance possibly maybe that there is a a part or a portion of your understanding about sex or sexuality that is twisted maybe is there a chance is there a possibility should they stand up if it's true for them that would be everybody yeah yeah okay so if it's true for you why don't you stand up that'd be great here we go I'm first. I love it. So good. Hey, look at that. Everybody's got a twisted view of sex. Here we go. Help us, oh, Jesus. Man. All right. Look, if you weren't if you weren't here last Thank week, you that's for fine. Being honest. Seriously. But this is what we're gonna do. Josh McCready spoke last week. How many of you are here? Raise your hand. And what he talked about was one of the most Christian things that we can do, and it's a scary word to some of you, but it's repent. Whoa. Sounds gnarly, right? But what does repent really mean? It means to change your mind and turn to God. So if we're already admitting the fact that there's a chance, there's a possibility that some of my understanding about sex and sexuality, which God made for good, could be tainted, then what do I want to do is nothing less than repent. Nothing less but turn to God and say, God, I want your mind, I want your understanding, I want your foundation and truth for what this is. For what, what you think about sex and sexuality, what you think about the value of my purity, what you think about my future marriage, and all of these things that we're going to be talking about this month. So what we want to do is we just want to pray. And no matter, look, no matter where you are um, on this whole realm, like if you feel like you've done bad or if you feel like you've done good with this whole topic of sexuality and sexual purity and all that kind of stuff, um, I just want to let you know that it's all good. Because what matters is exactly what Dallas was talking about, is how you respond. While Katie was writing that journal to me, I was lost. I was totally lost, okay? Look, I did not deserve to get what I got from God. It says that whoever finds a good wife finds a good thing. And it says in Proverbs 31, one of these famous verses about this amazing woman that everybody would want to have. It says that, like, who can find one? Where do you find one of those? I was running the exact opposite way, okay? I was, I was sleeping with my girlfriend. I was lost in, in totally, like, entangled with pornography and lust. I was living in this world of shame and brokenness, okay? And all the while, I had someone who God was setting up for me that she was laying her life down in, in pursuit of purity so that she could give me the gift of her purity on our wedding night. She handed me that book on our wedding night, and I, like, fell apart. I was like, you, I, you did w- since when? 
And still to this day, you've heard me say this. If my house catches on fire, I'm sorry. The dog can burn and die, but I'm going after that book. I don't care about the, the safe. I don't care about my gun. I don't care about anything else that's He'll get a value. The dog. He'll get the dog if he can. I'll get the dog first. if I can, but the book is first. It is the most precious thing that I have. It is the most precious thing that I have. Okay? And look, there's a story in the Bible that talks about a wedding feast, right? And this, this uh, king had invited everybody to a wedding. And he said, all the people who have received an invitation, go tell them it's time. The food's ready. The wine's ready. Everything's ready to celebrate. And they go, ah, we, we're kind of busy. We don't really want to come. And the king was like, what? Are you kidding me? He's like, go find anybody then. Go send out the call to anyone and bring them in. And it says that his house was full of both bad and good people. Why? Because of the way that they responded to the call. It says right after that, that many are called, but few are chosen. What's the difference? It's only in your response. So look, no matter where you've been on this subject, whether you feel like you failed in this area, whether you feel like you've succeeded in this area of keeping yourself pure and lining yourself with God's ways, there is no difference if we choose to repent, turn to him and say, God, I want you, and show up at the wedding feast and say, I want your truth. Okay? It doesn't matter where you feel like you failed, where you feel like you've screwed up. It does not matter. Are you with me? Come on. Every, I want you to say yes. If you're with me, I want you to say yes. Because we are choosing, we are choosing this day who we're going to serve. We're choosing this day to fall in line with what God says about this stuff. And we're just going to pray really quick to kind of set the tone for this whole month and really for your life. You're making a choice to say, God, what you believe about sex, sexuality, purity, marriage, all that stuff, I want to believe it too. Come and show me. So right now, come on, just bow your head or lift your hands or, or lift your eyes, whatever you want to do to connect with God, and we're just going to repent. And I want you to say with this with me, all right? You can shout it out and be loud and wild and crazy. Say, God, God. I, repent I repent from having a messed up idea of sex, I messed up idea of sex. even if it wasn't my fault. Even if it wasn't my fault. I, want I want your ideas. I want your truth. I want to be holy like you are holy. I want your power to help me do this. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, you can grab a seat. Yeah, sit down. There you go. Grab some floor. There yeah, it is. Eliana. All right. Okay. So here's the deal, okay? What's really wild about this psychological principle of first mention is that they say that once that foundation's been established, the only way for it to be reestablished is to, like you would a foundation of a house, if you're like, crap, we messed that up. We're going to have to jackhammer it out and reestablish, okay? Now, they say that it takes like 10 years of good counseling to jackhammer out a real deep foundation in your heart about a given issue, but thankfully, we have the great counselor named the Holy Spirit, who's like way better than the human counselor. And what you did just now in that prayer did 10 years of destruction to the foundation that's been established, that's twisted, messed up, and whatever. And right now, your heart says, what's your word, God? How do you see this? Correct this. Pour me a foundation that I can build the rest of my life about this on. Okay? And we can set aside what's behind. Okay? It's our theme for the entire month. It 
starts now. Okay? If you've messed it up, like Dylan said, all that kind of stuff, or you haven't even been, like, begun down this road, wherever you are at, it starts now. You are responsible for the way that you conduct everything that's built on the foundation you receive tonight. Okay? Does that make sense? And we're going to do our very best to give you, the like, the, the mainframe, okay? Like, the frame structure of the house. We, there, we do not have enough time uh, ever to fill in every hole. So we expect you at the end of tonight to have a lot of questions. And we want you to write them on those blue cards over there so the next three weeks that we're together, we can really hammer in on some specific issues, okay? We will be this month covering some serious stuff in the realm of pornography and masturbation, homosexuality, transsexual, bisexual, you name it. We want to attack this stuff in a really clear, in a really godly way and just go like, God, how do you see this? Set a new foundation so that anything else you hear from now on, you can go, no, that's not what God said. Come on. That's the beauty of what you can do when you face, like, look at God's face and go, like, God, show me your vision for this. It's the, the life Jesus walked and lived. It's the life we all desire to walk and live is, God, what are you doing? Because the minute I know what God is doing, everything else is like, fake, fake, fake. That's God. I already know. Rather than, like Katie said, if she didn't have an idea of her vision from the beginning, she would have just like, oh, maybe that's good. Maybe that's good. Like, she knew what she wanted, and that set a path, okay? So some of us don't exactly know what we want. So that's where you begin to just go, like, God, point me. Give me something that I can grip into and see as a vision for my life, okay? Cool? So where did sex come from? God, oh my gosh, Adam and Eve. Yeah, I mean, like, he decided, right? We're just going to, like, be real basic. He made man, right? And he did this whole really amazing, incredible thing. He creates man, brings all the animals in front of Adam, and Adam's like, giraffe, llama, you know, like, random anteater, like, all the weird things that he said. And it would have been in Hebrew, I think, so we don't know, like, what that, but he named all the animals, and at the end, God looked, and Adam stood there and said, but there was no companion found that was suitable for him. Okay? And God looked at that, and it was the first time in creation God said, you know, that's not good. We got to do this right. So he puts Adam to sleep, and this is a part of the story that a lot of people miss, is that God didn't just take a rib out of Adam and make a woman. It says that God put Adam to sleep, and he took woman out of man and fashioned her. So Eve was already pre-existent within Adam. That's why when you get in Genesis at the beginning, it says, like, let us create man in our image. Male and female, he created them. That was before Eve. Right? It's in the Bible. Like, shake your head. Like, what? Are you kidding me? But that's the great, beautiful picture that established what marriage was because Adam wakes up. And his job was to name everything that he saw. And he said, whoa, man. And we got woman, right? Like, da, da, da. anyway, pastor joke, right? Anyway, I'm old. It's okay. But you get this reality. And what Adam says right there, he says, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. And for this reason, a man shall leave his mother and father and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. Again. Do you get that? 
There's a unity in marriage, and it's the full picture because Adam was created in the image of God, male and female. He created them. The image of God was displayed in that Adam. And then he took Eve out and said, this will be interesting. Let's cooperate together, but then the reuniting of man and woman is the returned full image of God. Do you see this? Power, right? So this is marriage. This was God's statement over Adam and Eve is this is the picture. This is the fullness of the image of God in relationship of marriage, and sex was part of that. Okay, they were perfect man, perfect woman, naked in a garden alone. <laughs> yeah, you could get right? Sex was part of it. Okay, like, hello, that's part of it. God was like that. And what was his statement about Adam and Eve together? It is good. Therefore, God designed sex. God designed marriage. Neither of them are bad. Have they been messed up? Yes. Does that make them bad? God's design, God's plan is always good. And that's a big thing we want to address because we believe in marriage hugely in this place, in this house. We are so huge in the marriage realm here. Like it is huge because it's the culmination of covenant with one another representing the image of God. It's a big, big deal. Most of you in this room can look and go, yeah, well, what I've seen of marriage sucks. Your parents, whether they're still together or not, there's dysfunction, there's fighting, there's whatever. Some of you probably have great parents. That's amazing. Like, but it's sadly, it's rare. But that, re- that reality doesn't make marriage a bad plan of God. Okay? It means there's still work to be done, and there's yet to be a generation to do it better. Right? Right? So, so we, What? Until now, because the generation's coming up. So, do you got something you want to add to that? I can, yeah. Do it. Do it. Add something. Okay, well. We don't have an exact outline. We're not like that. We're not like that. We're not like that. So, the de- here's the deal. Like, we were talking about all this stuff, like you just said, Luke, it, until now. Okay, so the question is, again, it comes back to this idea of response, okay? How are we going to respond to what we're being called to, right? Like that whole call went out. Like, and it's just like you can get the picture of like was you can go like, God, why is there so many people calling? Why is there so many few chosen? Like why is this running rampant in our society? Why is it so normal to be like promiscuous and crazy and wild and not not have good solid marriage and all that kind of stuff why is that happening well there's a call that's going out to align ourselves with the the word of god the truth of god and what he says about sexuality and marriage and all that stuff okay but it's just like when you go like right now if i was like hey who wants to go you know run five miles with me i'm only picking i'm only picking the ones of you that rose your that have raised your hand Do you get it? Like, there's a call that's going out, and it's up to us to volunteer and say, God, yes. And that's what we were doing with this whole repentance thing. There's this whole other principle that we want to kind of bring to, like, the forefront of what we're talking about tonight. And it's the idea of doing this whole thing now. Like, we've we've said, like, even Katie's testimony was this idea of it starts now. We're going to start actually 
preparing ourselves for our husband, for our wife, for our spouse right now. We're going to give our hearts to, to the, the um, promise that God has something good for us right now. We're going to give ourselves to purity right now. Okay, and there's this verse that like uh, I love and it's in Proverbs 31 as I was bringing it up earlier that it's talked about the woman that every like man would be after, you know, and it's, it says that. Who can find a virtuous wife for. For her worth is far above rubies, the heart of her husband trusts safely trusts her so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good, not evil, all the days of her life. Say all the days of her life. Say it again. All the days of her life. Okay, here's the question. Is this just about girls? Probably not, right? So this this verse, it's not only like true about men's, like our, our life, like women and men. It's not only true about us. This is also a picture about the church. This is a picture about the way that we prepare. Is there not like this whole, this whole picture is like this of the Bible, even in Revelation, is this epic like Lord of the Rings 3 where, you know, there's like this wedding at the end. Like that's literally how the Bible ends, people. Just saying. Okay? Just saying. It was God's idea first. That like we are actually being prepared that Jesus came, laid down his life, and it, the, this like symbolism is for his bride. Is that just going to be girls and guys are going to be like, Hey, Jesus, way to go. No, and it's not about like, it's not necessarily like symbolizing something sexual, but it's symbolizing intimacy. Jesus in John 17 said, let them be one with us as I am one with you. Let them be one with me. Okay, so the heart of God is yearning, crying out for intimacy. And the, the biggest representation of that in the physical world, in the physical realm is marriage. These two shall become one flesh. It's amazing. So through sex, like that's what it does. It. Yeah, it's crazy. You it's become one flesh by having sex. Just clarifying that. So. Oh, whoa, right. So I was reading through the rest of that that chapter, Proverbs thirty-one. Okay, and it's talking about like this this concept of being prepared, making yourself ready, and having a value for something that's in your future. Like just the same way to use the same example that of Katie's story, right? Okay. How many of you, <coughs> I read through the whole thing, and this is what I hear. This person is known by everyone around them as diligent, creative, bold, wise, blessed, free, full, strong, confident, prepared, generous, kind, at peace, favored, known, honored, joyful, aware, appreciated, and unique. Whoa, man. Oh. Would, would any of you be like, Man, that sounds like a lame life. I would not want to be any of those things. Well, you definitely want to be married to one. You definitely <laughs> want to be married to one. Oh. For sure. Okay, you can read through that whole verse, and it just keeps going on and on and on about the fruit of this person's life. Okay, and all of these things, I just want to say as, like a, as a projection of not, not just like for the sake of going like you've heard these kind of statements before, like don't have sex before you're married. You'll get an STD and you'll die. Oh, man. You know, like, so bad. 
Like, really, and this is, like, part of Be the foundation afraid. that we're trying to, like, jackhammer. We are jackhammering because there's been so much shame and fear attached to sex that you're just, like, going, like, if I can just lock up sex in a box and hide it away until I get married, then I'll be really okay. <sighs> then you take a breath. It's all good. But it's like you're creating a culture, and you're going, like, sex is bad. It's bad. It's bad. Stay in the dark. Stay in the dark. Get away from me. Don't touch me. Stay in the dark. Stay in the dark. And then you want to get married and flip the switch on and go, it's good. But you don't realize that you're creating a culture. You will create a culture by doing that that says sex is bad, that you'll have to rewire, that will take years, potentially take years. <sighs> of course. So what we want to do is create this culture of healthy understanding right now. And part of that is just realizing the fruits of your pursuit of purity is not, it's not just about, we're not just here to, to scare you about sex at all, really, because it is so good. And in its proper context, in the confines of marriage, these are the fruits of it. It's amazing to think about, like, what, what like, it would really be like to be this, this prepared, diligent, creative, bold, wise one who is able to, like, just say, no, I, I am not going to do that because I'm saying yes to my future. And that's something that we always, we've talked about and we've, we've uh, heard people teach about this is like every time you're saying no to something now, you're actually saying yes to something in your future. Or even just in general, every time you say no, you're actually saying yes to something that's better. Okay, so we're just trying to create a value tonight for why would I, why would I wait why would I save myself? Why would I change the way I think about this? Why would I try to even abide by God's standards? That seems crazy. Don't have sex till you're married. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, right. Like, I know, I know people, I mean, Luke, like Luke goes to hack. He gets, like, ridiculous messages left on his motorcycle that say, hey, let's have sex later. Here's my number. Like, that's creepy, people. <laughs> you know, but, like, that's the society that we live that's the society that we li live in. And you're just true, going like, yeah, true okay. Story. True yeah, story. True story. <laughs> See, practical step. I like it. <laughs> I'm too much of a stud with my motorcycle. Check. No. But seriously. So good. <laughs> realizing that there, there is a purpose that's actually good behind you waiting. And it's not just God saying... Like, there's this big God in the sky who's going like, no, don't do that. You're bad. You're terrible. Why would you even think that? You're awful. No. He's got something so much better waiting for us if we can attach to his promise and the hope of it. So here's the big question. Why did God pull this cheap shot on us and awaken our sex drive before we're ready to get married? Doesn't that feel like, come on, God, are you kidding me? Can't you just like... Wait till I'm, like, ready to be old enough, like, you know, 35, you know, whatever. I'm kidding. Now, like, have you ever thought this? Like, come on, God, this is a cheap shot. Why do you open me to this desire for this when I'm 10, 15 years from a reality of being able to walk it out according to his, his plan? And there's an answer to that. Is that nothing of value comes without a fight. Here's the deal. Let's just say hypothetically, you know, you grow up and when you're like 23 years old, you like happen to have this really nice friend. 
and you're like, we should get married. And then, like, a few months later, you know, you do a wedding, and you walk down the aisle, and, you know, the pastor says, you may kiss your bride, and you're like, okay, you know. And then you get, you get home that night, and your sex drive is like, click on. It's like, ah, like, how weird would that be? And how, like, strange and unvaluable would that be? That there's no passion, there's no desire, there's no attraction. Like, we believe all of this is critical to marriage. We're not a bunch of, like, nuns and monks here. Like, you know, like, you shouldn't even be attracted to them. They just should love God a lot. It's like, no, it's a both and. Their love and relationship with God ought to stir an attraction on a different level to you. But if there's, like, not a physical attraction, something's missing. It should be there. Like, that's normal, okay? But what all that looks like is this process of pursuing that which is valuable is your purity, is that union in marriage. And what Dylan touched on is that intimacy that occurs, the, the becoming one flesh together, okay, is this powerful, great reality that occurs. And when it's done within the confines of marriage, it's incredibly life-giving and powerful. I have never once felt guilty for having sex with my wife. Can you believe that? Like, ever. There's not an ounce of shame in it. That can't be said for sexual behavior outside of marriage. You know this. You've felt this. You can't do it and go, wow, I just feel so free and clean and wonderful. You can't. Why is it? I've used this analogy in airborne years, like, over a few different times, but how many of you know what that big double-towered concrete structure is in the middle of the river a couple miles up Susquehanna River? Anybody know what it's called? Three Mile Island. What happens What happens inside of those towers every single day, multiple times a day? They split radioactive atoms every single day. I tried to Google and find out how many times a day it happens, but I couldn't find anything. Okay. That exact thing that happens three miles from us, it's called Three Mile Island because it's three miles up the river from Harrisburg. Do you know that? Anyway, okay. Whoa, right? Or something to that. It's three miles. Anyway, so it's not three miles long. Anyway, but here's the deal. Every day, this occurrence happens. That is the exact same chemical reaction. It's called what? Nuclear fission. Okay? That, that occurred... On a day back in, was it 1945? Do you know what major event in world history happened in 1945? What? No. 1945. Anybody? The atomic bomb in Japan. The exact same reaction. Kevin's like, I knew that, okay? The end, listen. The end of World War II was the drop of the atomic bomb on Hiroshima and what's the other one? I forget. Okay? Nagasaki, Okay. That was, that's what happened. Two of these reactions obliterated most of an entire country, right? Or at least two major cities. Obliterated in a second. Now, don't you think that if that was happening right up the river, we would all be in bad shape? What, what's the difference? What is the... No, that won't do anything because your desk will evaporate and everything else. But what's the difference between the atomic bomb dropped on Japan and what happens on Three Mile Island every single day, multiple times a day? It's contained. And when it, 
obviously. Okay, listen. Sex is like nuclear fission. It's always powerful. Always. Always, always, always. You can't do nuclear fission and not create power. But up here, when it's contained within a structure designed for that power, it creates your ability to charge your dang smartphone. I know. You'd be dead without it, right? Like, ah, right? Because of what's contained up there in a structure designed for it, it's completely life-giving and enabling for us to turn on the lights, have heat in our houses, all the different things that we enjoy every single day. That didn't turn out that way for Japan. Because that same reaction, that same power was released outside of a structure that it's designed to contain it. It's called marriage for sex. Marriage is the structure in which the power of sexuality is targeted to create life. That's powerful. You take sex outside of the structure of marriage, and you're going to be like, oh, I don't know. you can argue with me all you want. This is what God said. God created it all. So the buck stops there. You take sex outside the confines of what God said is the structure to produce life. It's destructive, and it's shame-filling, and it's ruining, and it's killing. Hands down. And you can, you can fake it for years, and we're like, oh, yeah, we, we cohabit and live together for 20 years, and it's all happy. But guess what? There's always the fear that you're just going to leave if you stop getting what you want because there's not a covenant created in that place. You want to take it from there? Yeah, you do. They know I'll keep talking, so hurry. Say something. No, I'm kidding. He's drinking water. Go. I know. <clears throat> I have a drinking problem. Yeah, so, I mean, I just think that, like, as Ben was saying all that, the thing that I was thinking about was about this idea of creating a healthy culture in your, in your mind. Um, and that what he was saying is, like, was... Like, you can talk, you can convince yourself all you want that having sex outside of marriage is fine, and you can try to live like that and all that stuff, and you can convince yourself all you want that it's fine to watch pornography, and it's fine to, to masturbate, and it's fine to give yourself pleasure and do all this stuff to make yourself happy and fill your needs and all that kind of stuff, and God's crazy if he thinks that no, nobody can, you know, if, if we're supposed to do without that. But here's the deal. You are being deceived by a lie. If God's word says one thing and you go like, you go, that's crazy. How could that be possible? You're taking yourself and you're going, I'm bigger than you. Okay? And you're putting somebody else on the throne of your life and who's, who's not God, right? I mean, unless one of you want to, you know, make a statement and, you know, make us drink some Kool-Aid if one of you is supposed to be the savior of the world or something like that. But seriously... Unless you're really lining yourself up with what God has said about the issue, if, and when God says that this is, this is the way it works in covenant, in marriage, then you're lost and you're, you're believing a lie. Okay? And if you think that, you know, it's no big deal, I'm just going to manage my whole sexual appetite by just living in pornography, and it'll be fine. Guys, I can tell you from experience, it's not going to be fine. Because what happens is that you create a, 
you create a mental culture of your of your life where you go like, oh man, every time you see a woman, they become an object. And you create a culture sexually where everything is about you. And I can tell you for a fact that sex is better when it's about the other person. For you. And for them. Because God... He, he, he's like, he did all this stuff. He, we're out, we're made in his image, we're made in his nature. What is he, a taker? No, he's someone who gives abundantly over and 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 again, over again. And even the, the, um, the idea of marriage, like this verse in Proverbs, it says, who can find this virtuous wo- woman? She's worth far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely tr- trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. This is a selfless covenant where you lay your life down for your spouse and vice versa. That's the design. That's the design. That's almost, I think, part of what creates the power of the covenant is where God goes, this is how this works You die. You lay your life down for that other person, and they do the same thing for you. It's incredible. But so really quick, so Ben was talking about all this stuff, and you're going like, okay, well, how do I do that? Well, part of it is a step of faith, okay? Some of it is absolutely a conversation that you have with God, and you go, God, that seems impossible. What the heck? You're going to have to show me how to do this. And I just have like this really quick scripture in 1 Corinthians 10.13. It says, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted past what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. And in John chapter 16.33, he says that we've said these things. And like I even say this as Ben and I. We've told you these things not to put you under some kind of bondage and go like, oh crap, now if I don't like do this right, I'm going to go to hell for sure because now they told me. That's not why we did this. We did this so that you would have peace. You would, so that you would actually know the expectation that God has for your life and the place that he's calling you to so that you can live in this, in this like righteousness that he's, he's asking us to live. It says that I'm telling you all these things so you would have peace because in this world you will have temptation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Look, all of you in this room will absolutely fail at this if you try to do it by yourself. 100%, I guarantee you. The thing that set me free from, from like having sex with my girlfriend was answering the call that went out when God called me. When crap hit the fan and I thought I had gotten her pregnant and I thought my life was over, that was a real big wake-up call for me as a 17-year-old kid without a like, full-time job or a place to live. You know, that was a real wake up call. And so when God called me and I heard the call, I ran to him. I ran to him and in weeping and in tears on my knees in my room over and over and over again, I repented and said, God, I need your help. And after I got through the part where I wasn't wasn't messing around and having sex with my girlfriend and we weren't messing around doing other stuff, then I had to repent over and over again to get free of pornography. And repenting over and 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 over again in tears, literally in tears, on the floor, on my knees, in my room, by myself, one-on-one with God going, I can't do this without you. 
and he set me free. And he set me free. And he, look, and it's, this is a prophecy. This is because it's a testimony that you can reach out and grab hold of, okay? This is available to us. But we have to take responsibility. It's something Josh said last week, too. We have to take responsibility for our own sin and go, God, help me. That's what our job is. The call goes out. Many are called, but few are chosen. What do you have to do? Go. That's it. Reach out for him. Reach out for him. That's all it takes is reach out for him. Make it personal. Go, God, I, if this is true, then I need your help. Yeah, I just want to, I want to end with reading this passage from 1 Thessalonians that I just think is like, it's a call to your life because this was written um, by Paul specifically to a group of believers. And I feel like this is one of these like, oh my gosh, it works forever. It says, As for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you on how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. And I do believe that's true for this group that sits in front of me. We're not going like, oh my gosh, since you've all, I believe that this group is in a place like that there are many of you in this room or all of you. I don't know where everybody is, but I know there's people in this room that are doing this, that are living this purely. And you're totally standing in the gap and you're fighting this fight and you've held on strong. And that's, that's incredible. Stay there. And there's others that have made the mistakes, fallen. Same deal. Let's go. It starts now. But it says, now we ask you and urge you in the Lord to do this even more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you about the authority of our Lord Jesus. And it's God's will that you should be fully sanctified, fully made like God. That's what that means that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. And that in this manner, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but rejects God, the very God who gave his Holy Spirit to you. God, that's, ah, that's such a reality, guys. And we just go ahead and stand up with us. Is we're completely aware, Dylan and I talked about this. We've been talking about this for weeks now. Like, okay, how do we possibly... Stay with us. Don't, don't start talking to friends. Give us a couple minutes, all right? We've been talking, like, how do we communicate this stuff? And how do we, like, open up this topic and seal it up all nice and neat and be done with it so everybody feels like, oh, that was good. And we're realizing the great reality that we can't. Okay? But what we know we can do and what we've settled in our hearts, and this passage gave us a great amount of confidence is that, in that, is that, we recognize that you're not all going to take every word we say and go, oh, yes, God, I need that. But our prayer is that you do. And all that we can do is faithfully deliver you the truth that we know, what we've experienced, and we recognize because we were teenagers once and there were older, older people, adults, who tried to tell us how to do things. And we were like, you don't know. You don't know. Like, so I get it. If you're just going to blow this off, it's not going to offend me. But I don't think any of you in your hearts want to let go of this and just be like, psh. Because I think you see the life and I think you see the power and the reality 
of what this can look like and the freedom that can come. Because if you're standing here going, I don't want to hear it, there's a good chance it's because there's some level of shame locked in you that's saying, I can't ever get that. So I call you out tonight. God is calling you out. It's not me you reject. It's not Dylan you reject if you're blowing this off. It's God himself calling you, like Dylan said, the choice is yours to respond. It starts now if you choose it to. It starts never if you choose it to. And that's the decision you make. We're not here to manipulate you, force you into some belief system and some cultish thing. We're here to deliver you truth and allow you, because that's how God is with each and every one of us, to choose. You can walk outside of this room tonight and go like, that was weird. I can't believe they said sex at church. Okay. But every adult in this room that's a few years ahead of you and has walked through your shoes, I guarantee it, we've lived the world that you're living in, is telling you, grab a hold of this now. Make it start tonight and begin to shift your culture and your generation in a way that has never seen marriages like yours are going to be. Come on, girls, guys, start writing a journal tonight. You hear a good idea, do something with it. What a powerful gift, you guys. And that becomes the way you learn to manage your sexual appetite. Because, yes, you have a sex drive. God gave it to you. It's not a joke. It's to increase value. And Katie said, I'm going to put that value in a book. And it became the most prized, valuable possession. A book full of papers with words on it? No. A life of commitment, a vow, a purity, something cherished, fought for. Katie didn't spend her whole life saying, no, 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 I can't do that. No, I can't do that. No, I can't do that. She said, yes, I'm going to marry a man, and I'm going to give him everything I have. Yes, yes, yes. You don't have to live your life going, no, 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 I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. Say, I will, and I'm going to. Yes, yes, God. Yes to my husband. Yes to my wife. My future spouse will get my yes because it starts now, tonight in this place. This podcast was recorded live at a Wednesday night youth meeting. To find out more, check us out on Facebook and Instagram by searching Airborne Youth.